everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Yes, welcome along. It is episode 11 of the seventh season of LOI Central. And as ever, we are in association with Future Ticketing. We are in association with uh, Rascals Brewery. The Happy Days Beer and Food Festival is this weekend. Anecdotally, I think it's actually selling out. So uh, yeah, get onto the website. Uh, tickets start at twenty three ninety five, and if you want to dress up for the occasion, obviously you go into Collar and Cuff in Glasnevin, and um, Decky will sort you out with a free shirt and tie with your suit. I probably wouldn't go to a beer festival dressed in a suit and tie, but you know each you, their own. You would if you're coming back from something else. Yeah, that, that's I wouldn't, wouldn't bother changing. You would probably agree probably to go Virgin to Virgin Media. Yeah, yeah, you could be so on. Just keep the makeup on. You could be on with Martin King talking about Legend of a Man. The, the big game at the weekend, you know. Yeah. Busy weekend of sport. Johnny Ward is here to talk about it. That's generally how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, so, did you ever notice on um, when current affairs shows talk about sport, you know, it's always like, it's a busy weekend of sport. Yeah. They never actually say, it's a quiet weekend actually in the sporting world. Let's talk about it. It's always my, the same. Oh, lots of sport, sport, sport. My favourite was in, in, in Northern Let's Ireland where sport. they'd have like the, the BBC News and the UTV News, which would be literally 20 minutes of incredibly grim news. And then it'd be like, oh, Yanchi for the weather and it's like that's got a good news story and the weather was terrible as well obviously and it's gotten worse on the show today Barry Murphy this is going to be intriguing I think interesting intriguing fascinating because I don't know about the standard of goalkeeping Dan in the League of Ireland I'm all about like oh we have a great standard yada yada not sure about oh, the goalkeeping so you're, you're, at times. Get, you're getting the goalkeeping union to come in and mm. have a go with this well what wh- what's your take on it actually are you going to put it to Barry Murphy this you know what I'm not sure the goalkeeping standard is actually that great in the League of Ireland but hang on you've just given my opinion are you, is that you, yours you, you as just well? Said, are you, no, 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 no. You just said, are you going to put it to Barry Murphy? Are you? That's a loaded question from your opinion. Are you of the same opinion? Uh, no, my opinion on goalkeeping standard in the league is that there's um, there's a dearth of Irish goalkeepers in like the late 20s, early 30s bracket. And like what, hap- what happened there? Um, you know, I think probably some of the younger ones have potential and then the older ones are still pretty good. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know, like... I think Barry Murphy, I'd be personally. We could talk about that. I'd be sort of more interested, like he, the, like he, his League of Ireland career, like seventeen years or so, starting at Rovers under Roddy. You know, he's been around, like moved to Bowes, an interesting time. Pats, uh, that's the thing. You know, you can you can talk about goalkeeping standards, but. I think there's other stuff we can tease out with him as well. Obviously, you're not going to talk about goalkeeping standards for the entire duration. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, just give it a bit. I guess yeah. what I'm saying is give it a better sell. Like, someone who's been around the league for a long time, you know, like all the way through. We haven't not, spoken to him yet, by the way, so we don't know how good this yeah, is going to be. It's going to be great. Someone has been all the way through the, the peak and the. The, the sort of the, the boom and the bust and come out the other side. So. Um, Before we get the mailbag, big, big news. Dell, our producer, has. I think he has this AI technology now where we can essentially just like talk for half an hour and then it can clone our voices such that if we want to say anything on the show retrospectively, we can kind of just like not do anything and just like that happened. <laughs> it's like I, I predicted, I predicted uh, to talk to win the league in 2019. Listen to this clip, etc. Vinny Perk brought it up on OTBM. He's still bringing it up like 2019. Come on, like give me a break at this stage. I've called a few right ones since Shamrock Rovers going to win the league season, by the way. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine like <laughs> how, how this how this could possibly work, like retrospectively. It's like let's go back to last year where Johnny Ward predicted Galway United would storm the first division this year. Scott 
scoring loads of goals. Uh, Close goal difference of 29, Dan, I after the know, trip to Kerry. I, I would have thought, like, I mean, AI is obviously, like, it's very sophisticated, but surely they don't want to be listening to us for too long and trying to figure out how to master <laughs> us. I mean, surely, like, if it's that smart, it won't waste time in it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you have to question it. I mean... I don't know. The League of Ireland is quite, it's quite an an urban kind of fan base, but AI to me in East Galway only meant one thing as a kid, and that was artificial insemination. When your man came, we didn't have a bull, and that was the job done to get the cow and calf. How would that work? Um, Well, (laughs) you're quite good at turning me on. I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to the AI uh, retrospective on this. Dragon AI just has a as a AI has a libel function. That'd be a very uh, efficient thing, wouldn't it, Dell? If we could, if if we could train it to like just realize that no, that's it's a bit slanderous, you know. That's defamation. Mm. Tricky in Ireland, bloody mm. hell. You'd be busy. Archaic rules. Oh my god, yeah. Um, busy. Big week of punch sound, obviously. So uh, it's um, gonna take up. Are we gonna meet each other at punch sound? You're going off to punch sound, you? Yeah, I'm going on. I'm going on Thursday with a with future future ticketing. ticketing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't go on Thursday, but I'm going on Wednesday. <laughs> so I'm not uh, sure if you were invited, but that's because you did a bit of a, you know. Yeah, we'll have to have a, a no show last year. It's, it's AI like, is <laughs> probably taking this part of the show out now. But, um, yeah, what's going on? It, um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it, both of us were in uh, Inchcore. You had a rascal's. This is like the story. You actually had a rascal's pizza before the. The game, which was nice. I did, yeah. It was nice, yeah. I did. Uh, you, you just weren't back in time. Yeah, so you came into the press box. Like, you came in with, like... Oh, my I, you God. You came in with a kebab and a chips. It was like you you, you brought an all-you-can-eat buffet with yeah. you to the game. Oh, like, all, my God. All you needed was some, like, calamari or something there and some, some salad, like some random salad that you'd put on your plate. Like, I was like, this man has taken over the press box with this smell of kebab. And then you were just, like, you were talking. It was, like... Sweating out of your pores, like while you were. I'm, know, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give. Pro, I'm not going to give promo to the because obviously no, yeah. it's not a sponsor. Yeah, well, because in my rascals, uh, yeah. Pizza the Spudweiser, um, innovative. The Spudweiser, uh, yeah, I, I, very innovative. Some, uh, some of their menus. pizzas now are definitely they're definitely kinky. Uh, if that's the word Quirky <laughs> um, They actually are Boarding on kinky I mean the, the word is not kinky Pudding on a pizza Pudding AI, on a pizza AI, Broccoli come <laughs> AI come in here Come in here AI Kinky pizza Can we leave a little space So they can come in and edit just So they know You know <laughs> How was the pizza then um, It was not kinky Yeah Kinky to me, kinky to me is like a word that would appear in a late nineties, early two thousands kiss and tell story involving a boy band of some description. (laughs) Um, I did have an unbelievable kebab though. Now again, you can't get yes, you can't get kebab kebabs in rascals and um, but this this is a very deeply unimpressive looking shop in Inchicore with a lad about sixty who couldn't speak any English. Absolute revelation, Dan. I was like, you saw how much I enjoyed it. Like you'd <laughs> had your pizza, but borderline kinky. You would say it was yeah. an unlikely and unlikely borderline sexual. For, yeah. um, are you a kebab man? You um, can't not be in fairness like Well, c- Can you let me answer the question What was the question uh, Are you a kebab man <laughs> <laughs> That was the question um, Sponsored by <laughs> <laughs> Nah I, Yeah Not really Not really That's mad I, I do like them But like it's it's generally to me I would associate them with like Being boos- on the pace boozing. I yeah. don't Funny enough uh, but, but no I think the thing as well Probably with work the last couple of years Or just in general You travel a lot to say Turkey uh, I've been to Turkey and to like the, the eastern world and then, you have. and then the quality of kebab 
can be actually very good. You could go out like your evening meal. You could go out and like that. I mean, you'd be very happy. Did with that. you or so, did you not order a second there. kebab in Baku that time? In Baku, yeah. Remember, yes, I, was, I do remember. Baku. Remember the homeless fellow who I gave the national anthem to. I yeah, I mean, I, Georgian, actually. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think what happened was we there was a second kebab purchased, and in fairness, I don't want to be flippant about this. Like you, you did give it to this guy as an act of generosity, or someone gave him. I the don't kebab. know if I did know. Someone, no, well, someone gave him the kebab as an act of generosity, but then he he went back and he tried to sell it to the shop <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> And that's but like uh, maybe a or maybe, story or maybe he was just or maybe he was just trying to get away from you yeah. because you were like you're asking him you're whistling anthems at him like probably one of the first instances like where you know someone was being harassed and eventually they decide no I'm, I'm actually going to get away from him you know a homeless man has had enough like I don't even know if he was yeah. homeless he was maybe just, he wasn't he was, he was kind of was a, was a, a local a, character yeah he was one of these anomalies of Baku um, yeah. anyway back to Inshikor not unlike. Um, yeah, this was just... Gets to get things built quicker in Baku than you would in Inchicore, to well, be absolutely, fair. Absolutely, yeah. See that stuff at the St. Michael, the Richmond Arena? I mean, it was knocked a little bit yeah. at the time, but bloody hell. Um, um, we've lots to get through. Um, let's just go, i tell you what, we've lots to get through. Let's go to the mailbag, because that allows, <laughs> allows us to deal with, uh, I think, most of the talking points. From the Everyone's weekend. crazy about a sharp-dressed mailbag, am I right? These electronic letters have style for miles, so let's dig in. The, co- the co- conversation has continued. I will admit, Dan, this is a, this is an admission. I was going the first time I went to Iran. I had a four-hour stopover, give or take, in Istanbul. I literally went into Istanbul from the airport to get a kebab, and then just came back. That's all I did on my layover. I went into the city, whatever that entailed. Blue mosque or whatever. No, no, I just went for a kebab. Just literally went for a kebab. Came back and uh, went to Iran. There I was. Um, and it was worth it. Actually, it was worth well, it. Listen, you know, I, you, you do. Uh, you're an advocate of fine dining. To be fair, so I'd have I'd have no issue with that. It's a shame you weren't on Instagram at the time. We could have we could have lived that with you. Um, What's going on? So I mean, I mean, like Keith Murphy. I mean, this is a mailbag opener. Which is better? It's obviously a bow's relevance. The old triangle. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. I can boogie or hold me now. Tough one. I, the, yeah, okay, yes, sir. I can boogie. I very much associate it with the the Aviva games. Um, yeah, yeah, that, the, the, yeah, the European run, and I remember seeing people like dancing away to that, and like you know, we'd all been locked up for a period of time, and it was a great joy of people out like at a game. So I think that's a moment in time. I'm not sure if the, I mean, I'm not sure if the Bose fans have full ownership over that now. I mean, they're not full ownership over some of those players. Um, <laughs> old Triangle to me, I think you need to be a dub to really appreciate it. Mm. It's also it's a, it's it's a not great really song. a bold chant though. Like it's not. Ah, but, no, but they sing. I know it, they've kind of. But they, they, but they sing. It, like, they do sing it. Like and it's very much in keeping with the Bose brand now. But to me, like yeah, it's a, it's an. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a good song. It's actually very powerful when it's sung. But because I'm not from the area, which might sound like it, um, not for me. Hold me now. I mean, I just something about hold me now. They're actually. I'm is. also quite partial to the Spandau Ballet gold that they play when they score. Yeah. They <laughs> um, I did have a text in from somebody in the general Inchi core region who I liaise uh, with about the uh, kebab who said, under the radar? Bose still under the radar? Which was one of the things in the. Like, how long can Bose be under the radar? Well, I go. don't think they have a whole point in the league. Well, then we have a few comments about that, you know. Um, 
own own bows is the username so I wonder where yeah, this one's going having that one um, will you spend more time talking about Shells and Rovers than the league leaders again Bernard given the round of fixtures this weekend and Monday you would assume that bows are more likely to extend their lead than reduce it I'm all for them staying under the radar but with a nice cushion after 13 games I'll think they'll generally be in the race but no Europe to add to no Europe is a factor like as no in the, Europe, yeah. they're not in Europe this yeah. year like Pats two years ago I think would have probably benefit from that like they had a very steady run of fixtures you know the wasn't a sort of a glut of games at one time and then a big long league break in the month of july and that's one thing bows will have in their favor if the fixtures stack in that way and we did have niall uh niall as well is bows decision to appoint four ex league of ireland managers at once um divine fanlin crawley cronin and five if you include pander the blueprint for success in this league there, I mean, it wasn't actually a serious comment, to be clear. Mm. But just thinking, I mean, you have you have the Galway one now with Horgan and, and Caulfield. Like, you know, just, just get more managers into your club. It's food for thought. You know, I, just get Liam Buckley in as an assistant now somewhere or whoever, you know, out-of-work managers. Just get them all in. As don't really Keith Long and Alan Reynolds. There mm. you go. Two mm. managers at a club. There's, like, not enough jobs to go around, so there's, like, a stockpile them all in one place. But, I mean, the thing about that is, both they do have a lot of, I mean as much as like now I was joking like there is something about all the the experience they have around the place and behind the scenes you know that's got to be a good thing I, I think as well Dan the, the, the role of the manager like as the manager as the almost like the, the the everything it has changed like there's a lot more delegating now a lot more backroom staff involved and like you, you look at Shamrock Rovers as much as Stephen Bradley like that's a managerial team like it's you see them in a huddle after games like it's a team and the recruitment is so important and yeah the, the John Caulfield one and Ollie Horgan is kind of mad because as far as I know John Caulfield is out of contract at the end of the season so then you're like well do you do you now give John Caulfield if we if Galway United get promoted do you give John Caulfield now a three year deal with Ollie Horgan it, maybe they do well it might happen it comes back to your your, Co- your Coma or Cohen brothers well, the Cohen brothers not working together anymore yeah like, yeah the, the I Co- guess the like Co- all um, good friendships uh, and, you know, eventually po- fall out Owen pointed it out um, but yeah listen we do have comments about Bows and didn't you know, play that well in Rod, well, apparently. Well, no, that was I was speaking to people there and like you know, just asking general opinions on the performance and who impressed and that type of thing. And they were like, you know, real the second half I think was a real struggle. Now again, we've had Kevin Doherty in like Rod are, are good, you know, um, but Bose, but they won. The only thing is they won. Like how many times did they, you know, what about what was that stat about Bose last year? You know, the sixty minute leads they had, the table, yeah. so they weren't seeing games out. Now like they're, they're winning when they're not playing well, so. Um, that's obviously preferable. A few comments in here about, I suppose, general standard of the league, like um, tales from D stand. Again, this is the Shamrock Rovers pod. So instead of the usual grumbles of per league this year, can we appreciate the league for what it is? High standard, free flowing football with sold out signs going up across the country. Time to put pressure on government for structured funding. Greg, club podcasts are a great indicator of a fan base mood. And lately, the Cork City and Dundalk podcasts are close to melting point. Not so long ago, we were told both clubs would dominate for decades. Will we ever learn? And then Chris Martin was in touch. Twitter is in the real world, but a lot of City supporters calling for Colin Healy's head already on here. Do you think City are where they should be with this squad or should they be doing better? Personally, I think the squad is made up of mostly Division One level players, so I'm content. Yeah, well, I do. I mean, I do think about it. I've talked about this before. Like the, the Greg's point about Cork and dog pods, like it's just a massive habit in the league of people, like the clubs they go and watch will have a big impact on their view of where the league is at at the moment in a lot of cases. And I think in Dundalk, there's a massive hangover mode from their good years. I probably mentioned this recently. So as Rogers, the league, I mean, it's not, not strong league at the moment. Like it's just not that good. Cork, probably a bit of it. And you get that in part, like people will, 
I, to me, like I think the league is pretty good this year. Now, pretty I, good. Yeah, like I'm not saying. Well, I'll, I'll always wait till Europe and see how things are going. As a product, it's great. I'm saying, like I'm loving going to full stadiums and stuff. The levels of it, you're still trying to figure it out. Like, is everything congested because everyone's improving, or is it because there's a leveling out? I think there's probably more spread of players. Like a couple of years back, you might have had a situation where a lot of the good players in the league were maybe at two clubs or three clubs, whereas now, you know, did particularly in Dublin, there's more options for players. And, mm. you know, the Dundalk lads went to, a lot of the Dundalk lads went to Derry, have come on board. And, you know, then these lads coming in from outside the league. So you're, tr- you're trying to figure it out. Like, I think, I, I think people are saying, oh, st- you know, it's shocking this year. I, I think well, that's that, I think that's clueless. Like, I think that's just look, look rambling. At the, look at the quality um, of the footballers. Like, Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a good problem. But, but, it, it, like, are the teams, say, at the top, like, are they hitting the levels of, say, you know, the top teams of the, the last, decade or two decades you could argue maybe not yet 11 but, games like, in. but we'll see yeah exactly no, it's 11 Your, exactly. europe is it's 11 games in like i mean i always make the point that the dog in 2016 weren't exactly tearing the place up in the first couple of months of the year and then they mm. had that amazing year mm. and everyone used it as a high watermark you know um so this is the point like you know rovers last year didn't prioritize europe really when they came to but the crunch didn't. So prioritise getting to the group but, stage. But the, the results in Europe in the last two years have been the best. I know the Conference League has come in, but still the Conference League is available to everyone else in Ireland's bracket, and Ireland have done very well. So that would point to me that the standard is was go, is actually good um, at the moment. But maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's like the middle is improving. The top is maybe not quite top, top. Dan, Dan you know? we still have no TV money and no yep. prize money, effectively. So it's doing incredibly well, I would argue, given the lack no. of resources. And my point is, but let's go back to my point, Dundalk, if, if Shamrock Rovers in, in four or five years' time have a drop-off, you'll have Rovers fans saying the league's not as good as it was four or five years. Shelburne That's were, the nature of it. Shelburne were heavy, heavy favourites to beat Dundalk at the weekend. And then you look at the game and they kind of had better chances with 10 men. Yeah, well, I, we, have, we have a few messages about the, the Shells and Dock game as well. Lot, lot, lots of discussion in that game. I know we don't necessarily have time, but... Well, I, I, I have a structured mailbag document yeah, here, Johnny. You, uh, I actually have it. You haven't yeah. seen it, so you don't know what's coming. Um... Phelan Warren, that uh, that incident with Paddy Barrett and Nathan Shepard can't be allowed to go without... Phelan. Phelan, I apologise. That incident with um, Paddy Barrett and Nathan Shepard can't be allowed to go without scrutiny. I can see why the goal is chalked off, but Shepard holding his face when there's no contact is embarrassing. Dan Byrne, Nathan Shepard repeatedly feigning head injuries to slow down play and talk. If a player goes on holding their head that much, surely they should be made to go off for a proper concussion, concussion assessment. Look, there's obviously it's opinion there. Um, that that was a bad episode. I mean, the clip for that that for Barwon, the extremely yeah. saw that. I mean, that's just not great. I mean, again, talk about the dark arts. I mean, this is the thing. We did have a comment in here about we had Keith Ward in last week. <laughs> what you know? What did you say to him? Uh, that all of a sudden he's sort of going I, down. I, but like I, you, know, I, you know, Damien Duff at one point is talking about like, but everyone's talking about influence and referees. Like what Shepherd is doing is is in that instance is probably he's lost control of the ball. There's, there's a bit of contact you go down to exaggerate it to, to win the, the free oh, kick no, it was and, a free out like. yeah I know but like even yeah. going down holding the face it's just even a more dramatic version of it it's on TV though you're not going to get away with that like well, in, in the ethical you, world like. Well, like, yeah but that's that, getting away with TV is in what like you that's fine you're getting away with it within 10 seconds is the is the aim did you get the decision? Yes. Well, then it worked. It kind of undermines the sportsmanship <laughs> of the game, though. Like, the, but, the, but the, the red but card that, for Farrell as well. I'm like, well... But the lads made the point last week. Like, you'll, 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 you'll appeal for something that's not yours. So like, we're giving out about referees, yet you have, like... Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean... And Keith, Keith Ward is very candid on the show last week. He's like, you know, we try to influence referees. I mean, the, the, the Wardy Farrell instance... <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. But that's, but, but that's my point, though. Like, Referee uh, is a decision to make. Yeah, no, that, my point is that like it's justified in the eyes of you know, managers, players, if you if you get the decision for your team. But but obviously Shepard now, like he's next time he plays Shells or other clubs, you know, you, you, you might develop, people start to think, that, oh, he's got a reputation for that. And maybe at some point in the next couple of weeks as a consequence, you don't get a marginal decision when there's pressure in the box. Could yeah. be a boy-cried-wolf yeah. element to it. You could be fouled and... You know. if, if, if Dan McDonnell, um, good footballer by the way that I've played with, if Dan McDonnell reached like the level he could have had as 11 aside and you were able to like, um, you know, play regularly 11 aside, say if you played Leinster Senior, say you played at a good standard, would you, would you go down easily? Would you make the most of things? Would you dive? Would you? I'd just, I'd like you, I'd run away from the tackle in the first place, Johnny, as you know, you know. Would you? No. But like, I don't know. I, I think. Would you do what Nathan Shepherd did? If I was, if I was a professional, see, he's talking about Lens Senior League, right? If I was a professional footballer, like if that was my job, my, and like my 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 income level and my ability to get a contract, my ability to be, to be picked, and you know, my my sort of, dep- you know, depended on, uh, you know, doing the best for my team. And if I'm a winger, say, who like stands up when I get clipped and don't make the most of the contact, I'd be thinking, well, I'd probably be in a bit of bother. Here, you, you shouldn't know. be, but okay. Well, that's that's wonderfully like moral stance, but it's not a realistic one. It is. It's it's not unrealistic. Just play the game, be sportsman. Like get up, play on. Don't be feigning injuries. Like you know, regards to what your manager says to you. Like I'm not. I'm so not you, gonna, so I'm what, not, if the manager says to me, you your man, your man, you're marking there. Have a bit of sledging with him. You know, he's vulnerable to it. Absolutely not. Go, that's not my style. So go after yourself. So you would, like, you would, you would, you have a club. You would be a sort of a, a lone ranger, a nah. lone ethical ranger. No, I, I would I, you appeal I, if you if the ball would ever throw off you? Absolutely not. You wouldn't appeal for it. Absolutely, you'd not. be like, sorry, referee, sir. No, no, this I, ball, I, I you've, you've, no, you've made a mistake. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, call for it when I knew it wasn't like when I was when I was playing for Shivan Rovers, my local club. If I were fouled, I'd kind of make the most of it, but only if I were fouled. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Just completely contradicting your point. AI, so, come in. Come in, AI. <laughs> okay, this is... That We're is, going uh, away from the point. <laughs> Johnny, you're making a convincing argument there and then destroyed it yourself. I'd make it. the most of it, but, but it would be a foul. Transfers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just analyze Transfers. that. Analyze it. Is there an AI shrink that can listen to this, listen to this back and, and, and give shrink both of us some advice? <laughs> I was shrinking myself could. at the moment. <laughs> Commenting from... Um, an unnamed managerial um, uh, uh, character in the league that I looked snug in the in the um, in the t-shirt last week. You know who you are. Um, it hasn't gone unnoticed in the house either. So um, oh, okay. there we go. I'll snug um, you as well. We had a few comments about um, transfers, right? And we had a couple of comments. You know what what will happen uh, in the summer transfer window? You know. You know, a general discussion about that, and then a few things about Jack Byrne staying, which was the big thing that happened. You since spoke last to him week. as well after the game, though. Yeah, like Jack Byrne. So it came up after we were on air last week. You know that this um, that Charlotte were in. Like this, this dates back to twenty twenty one and Christian Latanzio, their interest in 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 Jack Byrne. And yeah, listen, it's well documented at this stage. Rovers turned down the bids. Um, we had a few comments about this. You know, Kev Hoop. People saying Rovers are mad not to take the money for Jack. Is everything wrong with football here? We're trying to build something bigger, qualify again for group stages and rebuild with that money. Selling our players anytime an offer comes in gets you nowhere. And um, Dylan, it makes more sense to keep Jack and let him go for free at the end because the chances of qualifying for group stages and winning the league improved drastically with them. 
and, and worth more than the transfer fee offered. And that basically was the you know the Rovers' logic. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, this is the thing. Like, I mean, Rovers obviously will sell players, you know, and, and younger players. That, I mean, you know, they sell, you know, okay, there was a clause with Mandrew, but like they have let p- good players go at particular times in the past. Um, Jack Jan- Bertie the other day, Danny Mandrew among those wishing him happy birthday. Yeah, I see, twenty-seven. Yeah, mm. um, peak of his career. Yeah, and I mean, it's I mean, Jack clearly wanted to go. You know, it's it's obvious that he wanted to go. Um, I think anyone you don't need to read too far between the lines to see that. Can't begrudge him. Um, and um, as obviously you know he played very well on Friday, so there's no sense that like he's 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 letting his annoyance get you know impact his form. Might actually motivate him. I think Jack last year wasn't wasn't great. He said so himself. He had injury issues and probably a slight concern. It's like oh god, you know, does he have the drive that was there before he went to Cyprus to get that big move? But maybe you know maybe now. Um, this is a reminder that yeah, it's still out there for you if you can get your best form shouldn't back. Shouldn't be any annoyance as well. Shamrock Rovers have forfeited a, a big fee here because they want Jack Byrne to fulfil his contract until the end of the season. Yeah, but there's still a mindset thing. I would have spoke to people last week. Like, I didn't know Rovers can't stand, people whose view I respect in, in football. Rovers can't stand in his way. I'm not standing the way of Shamrock Rovers here. They, I'm Shamrock Rovers. I want to win the league. No, I want no, to get to Europe. That's, listen, no, yeah. I, I, that's my point, Johnny. Like, you know, I think there's still a culture enshrined here that because every player in this league pretty much wants to get out of it to another league that you, you don't cause too to an much, extent. You don't cause too much hassle for it. No, no, they, they, Great, Graham would be good enough to play in England. I don't think he wants. Okay, but like you know, a senior player in the league said to me a couple of years ago. Actually, it's funny what they said was. I think every player in this league would like to go to a better one, with the exception of Graham Burke. <laughs> Weirdly, <laughs> actually, this, this person will be good friends with, with Graham Burke. But like, I mean, that's the exception. And you have the guys obviously coming home, right? You just want to come home and stay at home. But I'm just saying that there is this view that, and you have this at underage level, like clubs haggle for a fee, and like oh, you're standing in their way, and like we're not used to that here now. The Rovers equation, it's true. Like he is worth more to them if he gets them through Europe. And in the past, like you know, like Dundalk loads lost loads of players on free transfers. But if they, if they, you know, Richie Towell, Horgan, Andy Didn't Boyle, Danny Mandrew for thirty grand. Yeah, well. that That's, was the Rovers got done on, yeah. on the clause there. I don't think they make that mistake. Yeah, again. but um, I think you know with, with uh, Horgan, for example, and Boyle, like you could argue they made them, you know, three million or six million or whatever it was in 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 twenty sixteen. Um, by keeping them and Jack is the similar logic um, but will he sign a new contract now is going to be the thing this is, or does he keep that, his yeah. options open when Barry can chat us about all these I'd imagine he'll, he'll keep his options open like yeah. we, we, we had you know Jim Instagram is moving abroad uh, Jack's kryptonite I think that's a little bit unfair because I mean Jack probably the most the biggest buzz around Jack was when he was at Canberra at 18 mm. leaving Man City to go there it's just yeah, the I think the yeah, MLS would suit him oh I think I, so I, I, I limited I, I, knowledge of it yeah no, I, know, I know Kevin Kilban would feel that our, yeah. our, our mutual friend who um, not Evan Kilban who Won the, won the quiz before. Yeah. yeah. Um, what players move to the UK? I mean, I was trying to think who are the players likely to be in the news this summer. I think Ferrugia would definitely be one. I'm not saying he's going to move this summer for the same reason, but the talking point, Sam Curtis probably. Jack Moylan's Jack got to be Moylan, yeah. Picture. Jack Moylan, I think, is is gearing that way. You can always look at people's agent moves as 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 on. You know, Gavin Malloy signed a new contract with Shells recently, but again, new contract could often mean a clause. I'm not saying it's the case. Adam Murphy, very good last week. I think Adam Murphy might be more not this time get a run of games and see what I, happens I for him. love seeing him uh, in the flesh the first time I loved uh, many aspects of his performance and um, we'll talk about him um, yeah. you know, as the season goes on yeah I think I think I think as well I'd always look at um, I think Benny and Whitmarsh and Cork is another one Joe he's, mm. he's, he's a good player I'm not saying necessarily this summer but in the next sort of 12 to 18 months I think I'd always look at um, 
I'd always look at people who end up at particular agents, like the the Corum, Swords, Pat Dean, who have they got? Because they're yeah. like, prolific for moving who, players. Who are they so looking Adebay- for? Though, well, they've had a Boyega at Drada, who's mm. moved to them from the dock over the winter. I think that was a bit of an odd one, but I'd imagine... Connor Hoy raving about him, actually, last uh, week. Yeah, well, they're probably going to try and sell him at some stage. Mm. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying those two points are unrelated. Um, um, very, very I briefly. Mean, let me, like, can I finish my point? On Adam Murphy, though, you, just, just okay. very briefly. I love the moment of the game where Fruja just tries to do him, like, down the side. Like, I'm going to take you on here. Murphy just gets him out of the way. Just wins the ball back. No fuss. I think Fruja ended up fouling him. I was like, at 18 years of age, probably the most dynamic player in the league taking you on. Get out of my way. You're not going to know. Like he's, Love he's, this. He's, he's like, he's a, he's a certainty to have a good career if he stays fit. Um, but the other ones in Corum, just I was looking Brian Graydon, Jordan McAniff, you know, with them, like, the, the people that represent them will be looking to get them out, even if they're on decent contracts in Derry or whatever. It's just the nature of them. So they'll be ones to look out for. Um, in the in the short term, um, people saying, can you see anyone coming back to the league? Because yeah, it'd be a comment about Ross Tierney not mm. playing that much. And Danny Grant, Danny Grant, well, Ross Tierney just seems to be out of favour. Danny Grant mm. was at Harrogate, and, and look, I don't know, is he injured? Because he was playing regularly and then on loan. But yeah, I mean, I, I, Ross is on a long long enough contract over there, so I'd be surprised. The Danny Grant one, yeah, it's probably one to watch. I'd say a lot of the clubs at the top here will be looking at him as a great option to, mm. to try and come home. And, you know, classic one, come home, rebuild, and you can go back, you know, and you can become a big player. Your DFC all the way, what happened to those discussions that about clubs should rally together and command bigger fees for their players? Are we prepared for another clear out? I suppose it's just going to be quiet because there's no window operational, but if, if more of the same happens this summer, we'll see. Um, a few comments as well that I want to run through. Like, will, will Jack Mullen be a Shells player after the summer transfer window? Yeah, it's a, it's a talking point. Could he it? move within the league, do you think? Um, I couldn't see it, no. I think his, from what I gather, the focus... He wants to get it. He wants to, to get it overseas, okay. yeah. Um, so, no, I wouldn't have thought so. We didn't, um, um, we didn't, we didn't mention him last week in the terms of who's the best player in the league, but Fabrice Hartman can't be that far off the way he's playing as well. Yeah, uh, no. That goal against second goal. He's, a, um, he's an exciting player and a bit of a story that he didn't play when he was here last year for, mm. because of registration issue. Bobby Fitzgerald... Um, perhaps one for next week Mailbag would love to hear thoughts on the dying out of match day programmes saw an article about it during the weekend Owen Cowser did a piece I, I spoke to buy one but is it the general consensus that it's a dying breed I, I, it is yeah and I spoke to Owen Cowser about this at the for, it was really enjoyable all the hacks actually there just having having the old chats for the game Owen Cowser said I think he quoted one of the um, one of the programme teams that they sell give or take 300 programs and I think Pats are the same when I got into programs and this is quite sad it used to be a quarter of the crowd would buy a program it's now if if even a tenth and I I mean I, I'm so nostalgic about programs I think they're they're on the way out yeah I do yeah, it's just a reflection I mean I, so John Watson wanted me to comment can we get a comment from Dan about this ridiculous situation at the Saturday printed edition of the Indo doesn't carry League of Ireland reports it's far as we've got two pages in Liverpool not one word on local matches now Subscribers to my newsletter, the halfway line. You can sign up for free and email. Uh, I have pointed out. I flagged this at the start of the season, like, and I, I've had a lot of comments about this, particularly in recent weeks. Actually, not so much at the start of the season, but actually, really now in the last couple of weeks. Basically, what's happened, John? Like, our print deadlines have changed in the Indo. So, uh, due to a, a sort of a, a business decision, um, change of printers. So it just goes to print earlier on a Friday, and we have this thing called a slip edition that you update it as there is a page of League of Ireland reports in the paper 
the final edition of the paper on Saturday it would, as it would normally exist it was on the back of the sports section last week but you know the, the usual match reports the scoreboard everything that you would normally have but it's not making every edition so like you could pick one up and it won't be there for me is it frustrating of course yes it is but it's been well flagged and what we've done as a consequence is it's a bit of a part time we've sort of bumped up our online coverage I'm doing like post-match videos and preview videos and doing more follow-up stuff online on Saturday morning the drive is you know all the match reports are available online as ever and you know that's that's where that's where you'll find it it's mad though because a lot of times you know you'll have people telling you no one buys papers anymore and then you take something out of the paper and you do get feedback saturday is still the big day like um do you have anything else coming up of note and that we should be looking out for um yeah well i i am i'm hoping to get something printed um on you know this this week and we'll see when the when where we are where it comes out um in terms of I've been looking into this whole thing of the betting tax which probably comes up and the horse and greyhound racing fund and um, yeah the FAI have submitted a report to government that they've got this uh, economic consultants to do an analysis of the history of like the funding of horse racing and greyhound racing in Ireland this is big then and um, yeah I've managed to, to see a copy of that report and it just outlines yeah like 1.5 billion in uh, public funds have gone to horse racing greyhound racing in the last between 2001 and 2021 the updated figure will be higher but even within that um the the, the premise of this was set up initially because most people in ireland were betting on horse racing and when was the last time you had a bet on a greyhound in a betting shop oh like i i don't know bless I, I i can't i can't recall I, I can't recall um but like 2001 anyway that was the culture at the time it was created as a mechanism to fund those two um sports and at the time there was an element of justification because everyone was making money off horse racing and greyhound racing apart from the people who provided the sport that's called a free rider principle um but the the terms and conditions of that fund have changed over the years there was a commitment to keep it at 2001 levels but then when the recession came in and the betting tax was cut a load of money from the public taxation from general taxation has been used to compensate horse racing and greyhound racing to the point i think of that 1.5 billion 494 million is from general taxation funds not actually betting tax funds um i was amazed when you told me that so but also as well this is this is justified again Again, in um, this will be justified in sort of dull debates by well, you know, the racing industry. You know, it employs twenty nine thousand people. Um, that's from a Deloitte report commissioned by the Horse Race in Ireland in twenty seventeen. You look into the figures; like that twenty nine thousand includes six thousand people in betting shops. Who is anyone working in that industry will tell you that like a lot of their business now is actually people betting on football. Da- Dan- Daniel Lambert actually did a tweet Another recently thing. comparing uh, horse racing attendances to League of Ireland yeah. attendance. For example, horse racing attendances, right? And I, I'm deeply involved in horse racing. Horse racing, uh, horse racing attendances count people who are essentially jockeys and trainers. Hardly anyone actually pays into a race meet. Yeah, and this is the thing: like we both love horse racing you working mm. in horse racing i like i'm going to punch down i recreationally I, I follow racing i have family in, in the greyhound industry but like this situation where betting tax like there's a hundred million in betting tax coming in now per annum because the betting tax went up in 2018 and um that money is going 80 million 20 million to horse racing and greyhound racing even though f- maybe five percent of bets in the state are on greyhound racing racing's contribution to horse racing will be higher and still you know Clearly, right, horse racing is still a huge big business. But actually, if you look into it, a lot of the state funding in horse racing is going to prize money. 
So it's going to like I think something like sixty-seven percent of prize money from the state funds or something. I actually have this; it's in the story. I just don't have it in front of me here. But as you know, as I know from following racing, like most of the prize money is going to a small number of rich elite owners, most of whom don't even live in the country or pay tax here. So you have state funds. Um, for you know, to prop up an industry where the socioeconomic benefits of it are, are questionable, and you can throw in like even you know gambling and the effects of that vis-a-vis other other sports. Um, I, I could it, argue it, the it, point, John, on on them, you know, the big owners because it's what the owners are putting into the sport, like JP McManus, is just off the charts. But it's no, I'm, no. I'm, but Johnny, let me put it yeah. this way: if the FBI went in to government now and said, "Could you give us millions in prize money? Can you can you give us the funding yes. for League of Prize money? What yes. we'll get is we'll get a load of people who don't live in the state to come in and buy football clubs and create jobs, right? Like Dan that, is doing the exclamation yeah, marks. That, but, that, but that would be the same principle. Like, we, we, like there's the 300 grand races in Punchestown, like today, you know. I'm, uh, like, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you, but this is, this, this is, I think this is going to be, uh, I'm very proud of what you're doing but, with this because I think as, as a sport, we need to, as, as an entity, and this is not just League of Ireland, this is football in this country. Um, there's more than 20 League of Ireland clubs. We need to get this message out. Yeah, and also as well, the point is, the key point is this, this word isn't recommended necessarily to cut the funding to horse racing, sure. racing. Recommendations even are to keep their funding at 2021 levels, that's fine. But the fact that this windfall has come in is just being thrown in some cases into extra prize money. It's, no, just spread the wealth around a little bit more. And as we know, historically, HRI and racing are much better at lobbying. Um, and you look through the doll debates, I've been reading through doll debates, and it's all very much like how Ireland works, right? And football doesn't have a lobby because the FEI just had like a sort of a, you know, a, a sort of the the alliance of morons, right? You know, in, in positions of authority. Alliance who, of morons. Who, who sort of to, to said that we've got a covered, we've got great relations with you, but actually they're in the doll being maybe lauded themselves, but actually they weren't, they weren't actually effective in terms of how they lobbied or, or made the case for what they do. Um, and the rest of the board at the time were just sort of nodding dogs. I would you love know, your... Not, I love, not, 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 not in greyhounds, if they were not in greyhounds. Hey, I would love your reaction funded. in the mailbag on this because... Um, I, I think I, I, I'm fascinated by this topic, particularly it may, it, it because may be, it may not be followed up on at all. No, Johnny, but I, I do. I do feel that there's been a little bit of a sea change, and I think the biggest problem, if you go back to Charlie Hawhey, like Charlie Hawhey would have, um, you know, brought in the stallion exemption fee, and racing and government has sort of had a really, really nice relationship for a long time. Racing is now a world leader in this country. That's that's great. Football, f- football is it's a world leader, but it's still reliant yeah. on state support. And a lot like, more. This is the point. There's been all these calls for value for money reviews, for mm. like how you spend public money, that have just been sort of, ah, yeah, there was a motion in the doll last year. Can we have a value for money review of this fund? That, you know, to see actually, in terms of the definition of how you spend public money, is does this comply with it? And it was voted down. Down. Yeah, and our, our government thought it was absolutely fine that, you know, um, it was we, we could just send teenagers over to England because we couldn't look after them in this country, and now we have to. So now I actually think we pro- we need proper academies, we need proper infrastructure, yeah. and we need proper paid coaches, which we might be able to do a little bit easier if we had some help from Well, yeah, state. but I think the point is that I think, though, where the angle would be if there's money coming to, like, to football, which would be entitled. I mean, it would be 20 million per year if it was just divided on a share approximately like you know you have to probably highlight the benefit of the programs that you spend it on are actually giving something back 
the society you know what I mean so um, but I think you know some of the points you mentioned you know football education whatever I think you could you can go there listen we've got Barry Murphy waiting there was a reference to the Sunday Business Post article I haven't got to read that yet I, I, I featured in that actually he said, it's okay one thing shedding a ridiculous loud accent uh, is that a dig at me but changing which team you support is clearly unacceptable yeah Shane um, yeah but uh, um, anyway t- t- I thought it was uh, I thought it was a really nice piece it was front page of the Business Post as well like as in a nice advertisement for it so uh, yeah, that yeah. Was a, keep plans- an eye out in the Business Post it might be more League of Ireland mm-hmm. stuff in the near future okay, maybe, maybe from Johnny just a uh, subtext well the deputy editor is now Shamrock Rovers uh, okay, fan Aaron Rogan uh, don't, so. don't, he's, he's a professional he's doing stuff that wow. needs to be there on merit don't be at that that's like you know. anyway Mark AI come in uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Murphy any plans for a live show uh, listen we'll, we'll be talking oh, to friends Mark, about, yeah, struggling to get out of bed in the talking morning. about our friends at Rascals about that um, AO6 asked this last week is there any stronger argument for Stephen Kenny to pick out of white players for the June international fixtures normal championship league one finishes in early May don't want to repeat of Armenia away I see your point my only the only thing I would say is um, with this is that Ireland played Greece in a huge qualifier in June. I don't think anyone's going to be making their international debut or the first competitive game yeah. in a, in eighteen months or 12, 18 months because they're fit. That's just what it's not going to happen. Speaking you might, of, will Frugia or someone get into an extended squad potentially? Are, are any of them going to be like thrown in against Greece on the basis of Matt Shepherds? No. Was that uh, Cormac Begley in Vicar Street the other night? And uh, the missus just turns to me and she points out to one of the lads on stage, Alf- Alfie Moon, Alfie Moon. <laughs> so if you're at the live show, you'll get the reference. Yeah, no, it was really, well, actually, Mark said he wanted uh, Ollie Horgan transfer stories. Ryan O'Hara, can Johnny defend the Galway fans that drove to Dublin to fight to Kerry? Are Galway the least con- climate conscious club in the league? Now, I think they're Dublin based fans. Not they? all of them. Oh no! <laughs> but the, the one thing I will say is, it looked an amazing trip. Um, it was twenty quid on the plane. I think the pl- the train was probably double that, um, which gets you to far and forth. Sorry, the the train gets you to the ground, but it gets far. But um, going United haven't had an away trip in Europe since what the early nineties. So this is kind of as close as it gets. Um, did you watch the? footage of the game by the way the the minute and a half the clip it was like there was no sound apart from the two commentators like oh, that's a terrible goal to away. way that's that, no that, 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 the, 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 the press box is indoors like an American yeah, press box that's an issue a, but it doesn't bring any sense uh, to Kerry court. took the lead but um, going United march on Walford obviously emulated that with a 4-1 win at Treaty two horse race then if even let's get let's get Barry Murphy in yeah, Barry Murphy is in studio. Those of you expecting a pre-match Barry Murphy, um, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Uh, this guy better be funny as well. Um, Delboy's just, Delboy producer is always in my ear. And he's like, which of the three Bose uh, songs we mentioned features featured in a Coen Brothers movie? This is not our quiz question, but you can post in the response. I've seen this movie. I love the movie. Presumably Can't it's remember yes, the sir, reference at all. <laughs> it's well, we don't know. It was one, it was... No. Um, Hold me now. No, How, like Johnny Logan Eurovision song is not going to make it to a Coen Brothers movie. This is a period drama yeah, um, right. in the, I guess, the 50s, 60s in New York with a lot of Clancy Brothers stuff. Uh, so it's, it's not a surprising answer, but I've seen the movie. I've no, I've no recollection of that in it. What's the movie? Um, Inside Lewin Davis, and it's Justin Timberlake who sings a brilliant movie, like so underrated, I think. Um, anyway. Anyway, our quiz business. Last week's question was, uh, for the Rascals Brewery tour, um, could people name the current League of Ireland managers the two current League of Ireland managers who have a, a league winners medal from Derry and we got Declan Devine was one James Keddy was the other one at Wexford so. who would have thought Keddy was so hard to spell like we had Keedy <laughs> as in like not Keedy in our ma, but K-E-E-D-Y we had even the winner um, he said James Kerry now that was a typo that was an typo. artificial intelligence <laughs> but uh, it was yeah that's a who, typo who's the winner Kieran Roddy 
Karen Roddy. Okay, yeah. Well, like, yeah, James Caddy. You kind of forget. Like he was not not you forget, but like he he was such a good player. Mm. But like Moore had a lot of moves. So, you know, mm. like he was a bit dairy when they was the, the the money was up there, and then he went from Rovers to Bowes, didn't he? Bowes to Rovers. Which mm. one did he do? It was controversial. And he was at Dundalk when they won the cup in 02 as well. So he was there for the pig's head stuff. Sorry, with Tony Grant. Yeah, mm. Rovers to Bowes. So Brian, we'll talk to Barry Murphy about the the complexities of playing for all these Dublin clubs. But um, this week this week's question. Is there's a bit of a, a Barry Murphy team draw. And actually, sorry, Keith Murphy, we're going to give Keith Murphy the collar and cover. The namesake. Mailbag prize for his uh, three songs question because it, it gave us some some content. But um, yeah, Barry Murphy was in the the, the, the League of Ireland squad, the last Artistry League uh, collection of like, you know, the, the, the best players in the league who were available at that time. Um, they played in the Dublin Super Cup in 2011. And it's sort of similar to last week. There's three current League of Ireland managers were involved Your in questions are getting good, Dan. Well, Barry Murphy doesn't know the answer to, these, yeah. to this one. We're not going to yeah. get him to guess on air, but there was three current League of Ireland managers were involved in that 2011 Dublin Super Cup squad. They played Man City and Celtic. Barry, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, so, um, and on a say, it's a bit of a clue, it's not just uh, League of Ireland men's managers, current League of Ireland men's managers. There's, uh, there might be someone from the, the women's Premier Division in there, which is a massive hint. Do you remember the little tournament they had um I was, uh, this is like 97, 98 Is this maybe. Pats in it? It was Derry City, Newcastle. The Amstel tournament was it? Yeah. And I found, um, God, it was funny. I found, I had like a list because I organized this because I was getting into League of Ireland. I was like, you organized trying, the competition. I organized a trip from uh, from our local um, youth club to go to Lansdowne Road to watch. So it was Newcastle, Celtic, I think, uh, Derry City and maybe Ajax, something like that. Um, but I had a list of everyone who'd paid and it was a pound and it was like he hasn't paid me yet right and it was just left blank so I don't know if he, if the lads ever paid me but we went up your housekeeping skills Johnny would be of a of a low of a low standard I would they're say, actually better when I, I was 15 say, I said there's every chance they haven't paid Barry Murphy though Liam Coyle I remember seeing him play and he was like obviously I guess he was even at that stage he was a veteran but you're like Liam Coyle actually he could he could have played like with these lads every day of the week he was that good only for his dicky knee um the last the last barry murphy line on this barry murphy the other barry murphy apparently was in father ted which i don't remember at all barry um, Mur- all those all of those comedians. comedians were all in it don't remember the, the actors like lee mack in a couple of psv was the other the, team in that tournament by the way psv so yeah um how are you keeping barry murphy yeah good thanks yeah. for having me on sorry we, we delayed you a little bit uh rambling on about this and that um outside we had a, a busy mailbag but yeah <laughs> How how are things? You uh, you're telling us off air about the intricacies of retirement. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, you had to wait till I retired to get me on, but we we'll we won't say a word about that. Yeah, but, Dan, um, what's that about, Dan? Well, Johnny? Why did, you, why did you never want to get him on? Yeah, well, I I mean, probably Brian Murphy was booked. And it was just an, it, was, it was a mistake. <laughs> Brian, Brian, yeah, got that a few times though. Yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah. But, but no, but Barry, like you, uh, this is the thing. Like we we are we were talking about we were always talking about guests, and I I did come up with the idea of getting you on, but I almost had to remind myself when you had stopped because you didn't really announce you were gone. You just finished up with Pats at the end of the season before last, and. That's it. For someone who's around the league for a long time. Yeah, it wasn't an, an intentional thing. I just kind of finished at the end of the 2019 season with Pats. We kind of had contract negotiations. Certain things had to happen for me to stay on. There was goalkeepers there at the club who they were looking to kind of move on. Um, there was a contract offer there. 
and they kind of just it didn't happen for them the, the keeper stayed and and i just decided i was gonna yeah kind of move away from it for a year take a year out um try and get back into the real world really and start what? education again what what real world the, yeah, <laughs> yeah the league of ireland yeah the merry-go-round but no yeah so just back into the real world went into on post started education in, in dbs and uh, kind of just didn't have the time for for football and kind of just got to a point where kind of the fulcrum had had turned to a point where i just the kind of love for it kind of went a little bit and i decided i needed a year away from it to see whether i'd kind of find that little buzz and and pull back into the league again and uh, it, it came down a year later what yeah. happened then yeah um yeah then um stevie o'donnell got back onto me a year later the, the 2020 season and said listen would you fancy coming back in um we've got a keeper coming over from liverpool Vich yaros um young but really good he said you're probably not going to play it's going to be more of a mentorship kind of role you play when needed but um how do you fancy it and i was like well kind of have to work around the work i'm doing at the moment it's, it's kind of a year wasted if i decide to go back into football and then you're starting the mortgage process all that sort of thing again so yeah so i was kind of going into work at five um but on post yeah on post yeah leaving kind of now kind of nine half nine going out to train out in baluster with pats and then coming back finishing finishing the job there and then heading off to college so it was a fairly full days but yeah really enjoyed going back in and it was it was, it was the right decision i mean it's it's sort of you mentioned to us off air that you didn't necessarily want to do the big sort of retirement statement thing that actually you found it difficult to to i don't know to press send in it yeah um i suppose because i wasn't playing i was never going to have that walking off the pitch moment you know at the end of of the end of the season the one you kind of hope is kind of like in a I don't know, an egotistical way where people are clapping you off the pitch after the end of a great career or you're, you're winning a cup or something like that. And um, I just kind of wasn't going to get that. So I just didn't need to put something out there. And I wasn't sure myself where I was 100% going to retire, whether this was it. Um, so I decided to give myself that break and, and come back. And then, listen, winning the cup at the end then was, was the perfect way. I kind of envisioned having my kids my kids on the on the pitch and, and leaving that way and it was great to do that in, in the best stadium in Ireland in, in the Aviva at the end and after winning winning my first FAI Cup so yeah that was kind of the, the fairy tale end in, in the end and you were saying you, like in the first year after you, like you shut yourself away from the league completely you just you just needed to tune out for it yeah it's kind of a, it's a weird thing it's it's like a morning process you go through like you've done something since you were seven years old and then suddenly you, you kind of you know the, the the last pages of your book are turning and you kind of feel it, it it's coming to an end and there is a kind of um a realization you have to come to and then it just you just don't want to be a part of it kind of anymore i think unless you go into something straight away football wise um i think the real world can kind of catch up with you and you, you realize you're not you haven't got these routines in place that you normally have um like you're in training at a certain time you're, you're told when to eat told like basically what your weekend is going to be and then suddenly you have all this free time you've got time to go to weddings with your partner and um, like stuff like that that you you just wouldn't have had and it kind of was just a bit uh, uh, overwhelming um but it, so it kind of i took myself away from it on purpose for a year but this season now i've really got back into it mm. it, it is funny like I, I i spend my life like chatting to a lot of footballers about this process stepping away from it and what they all say is i don't know is it your experience like you spend so much time over the years in the dressing room with all these players and teammates but then 
it can be isolating sometimes when you step away from it. Like, have you know, are you in touch with many of your ex teammates? Like, you know, or did you even just like because you're you're in the football world, or if you or you're not? Sometimes there's a little bit of that around that. If you're involved, then you, you chat about the industry and what's going on. But I guess if you step away from it, you can pull back from it a bit, don't you? Yeah, definitely. But even going back to Pat's last uh, the end of our, this 2020 season, like I went back in as an, an elder statesman, and you're going back into a young dressing room. You're not going on the nights out with the the younger lads, things like that. And then yeah. When you do leave it, I'd have good friends from like David Webster, David Connor, Simon Madden, Aiden Price, players like that. From okay, that from era. your from your younger days, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I keep in touch with them quite a lot, and I've been to a couple of the weddings and things like that, and we're, we're kind of trying right. to keep meeting up in between it. Like, but you do kind of fall away from it like that. Um, yeah, so it's it's just trying to keep that kind of friendship group going as well. To kind of they're, they're kind of the only people I get what was going on in dressing rooms and how do you like mean that. by that? Just the intricacies of it the the kind of what you gave to it as well it's it's hard to explain to an outsider the kind of sacrifices you made you can say in words well you're going up at whatever you're giving up and not going to all these things but until you're you're actually kind of doing it it's hard to for anyone else outside the game to to realize the sacrifices it was and it's like coming out of the army nearly and starting something like a whole new career it's you're trying to find yourself again really which is which is a hard thing to do, which is probably better now due to PFEI. They're kind of putting routes and avenues in place now for lads to try and think about this and explore ideas while they're still playing. I kind of didn't have that. Um, I got in at 17. I was playing at 18 in, in a team that was struggling with, with Rovers, but I got, got in, got my start then, and college wasn't really on the horizon for me. I just didn't think about it. I was getting paid to play football, doing something I loved. Um, so... Why would I go down that route? And it's kind of later in life, opportunities came with going back to college and things. I just felt, felt like it was kind of cheating on football by doing something else, by not giving it 100%, which which is ludicrous now when you think back on it. But I thought if I didn't give it 100%, I'm not going to be the type of player I am. It'll just take focus away from what I want to do on the pitch. And it's obviously ridiculous thinking that now. Like, I wish I'd have started this um, kind of career path 10 years ago, but, but I've started now and I'm on that road. You're, you'll be lucky to have 15 years of a playing career in the League of Ireland. You're not going to be paid particularly well. You'll be paid grand. Not everyone ends up in coaching. No, and it's a weird thing again, like because you're signing yourself up for these four-hour trips to, to Finn Harps and things on a bus on a Friday night, and you think it's going to be easier as a coach, but you're probably doing more as a coach like um, time-wise. You're putting your in earlier than everyone else. You're leaving after everyone else. You're still doing these bus trips. You're still missing everything else. And the love for me was playing on the pitch. Like, so, like, last year or two years ago, I did enjoy kind of giving that kind of bit of mentorship to, to Vete and younger keepers at, at, at Pat at the time. And, um, yeah, like, I found it, I found it really kind of cathartic as well. Kind of, it was a way of kind of passing on some knowledge. But it's something I might go into in the future. But for now, I'm kind of looking to go down different avenues. I find that interesting. You you, you uh, found it self-beneficial to talk to another goalkeeper almost. Yeah, um, like we're a strange bunch of goalkeepers. Like, there is a... There is an element of kind of um, psychology around the whole thing. Like, only one of you is playing, like, and there's, there's three or four of you there. So um, I find that kind of hard in my earlier career to kind of get on with other keepers because I wanted to play. I just had that mentality I wanted to play. And if you were playing, I wanted your spot. And I just couldn't kind of put on that facade where, like, oh, we're mates, we're great mates. Like, I'm going to back you the whole way because... Why'd you get injured? <laughs> like, you have to have some... There's only that or a red card, like, or a loss of form. There's not, like... 
tactically you're not going to play like against certain teams like that's not the way like the way it is for outfielders so who were the uh, goalkeepers at that time that you were uh, <laughs> you're looking for the goss yeah but I'm just um, trying to think like if you're going back nearly 20 years yeah, now like, like um, Alan who's still playing uh, wow, Rovers yeah, yeah. Um, Brendan Clark Richard Brush loads of, loads of lads like all really really good keepers and really good lads as well like and just people who got, get on really well with but like you are trying to take their position and you think if you fall out of the team and then somebody comes up behind you, suddenly you're out of a job. Like you're not even second keeper anymore. Like so there is that pressure as well. So I just kind of found it hard maybe my first 10 years to kind of pass on things I'd, I'd learned because I wanted to keep them to myself. Like I was always in this position for a reason because I had these certain attributes that. Well, can I ask you just just on the, the, the court game against Jerry at the weekend, like. Fairness, Corker in the game at one nil. Yeah, Michael Duffy takes this pot shot. Really, Corker, like it's a terrible mistake. There's no getting yeah. away from it. Colin Healy, like he says five or six times to the media afterwards, he should say that. He should say that. He knows that. He should say that. it must be so tough for the goalkeeper. The game wasn't live on TV, but yeah. I mean everything else about it's like that's just bad. It's bad goalkeeping, and everyone sees it. Yeah, that's it. Listen, he'll bring that home with him, and mm. no matter what you say, you can brush it off and come into the next game. Like it is there, and. The way the games are analysed now with huddle and things, you're going into training the next day, like it's amplified. It's going in the WhatsApp group. You're you're being told to look at it yourself. What can you do better? Like it's being analysed by everyone at the club. It's on social media. You just can't get away from it. So it's fine if it's one or two and you can go into the next game, you have a run of three or four games and you don't make a mistake. But if it happens that two or three come, suddenly the pressure is on you, you know. It's it's not as if you can be taken out of the team and brought back in. It's going, it doesn't really work like that. Mm. We go goalkeepers, yeah. It's a big question, right? If someone, if you, if you met someone tomorrow who didn't know what you did or didn't know you played, and they you know, say, "Oh, you're a footballer, right? You know, who did you play for? What's the, what's the first team that springs?" Because I think Shamrock Rovers with you still, <laughs> even though, like you let, you know, you left, you joined Bows, and you, had, you know, first ten to Pats. I still remember you coming in at Rovers. But was it Roddy and yeah. <laughs> being synonymous? You went down to the first division at Rovers. You come up with them. I think of you as Rovers, but I mean, I don't know what's your experience. You like you've you spent what one you went back for a brief period of time, but you pretty much were gone out of there for like twelve years since Tallis. So I don't know. What do you think of? Can you think of your career? Um, probably Rovers because I grew up there. Like I was in the schoolboy team, and like everybody then was waiting to play in the stadium. We've been told you're going to play in the stadium, and obviously to to go down with Rovers that year in the, into the first division, and we kind of did the clear out and back up again with Rovers. I just there's probably so many emotions at Rovers that that's the one that sticks with you. Mm. Um, like I was there probably nine years, ten years altogether. Then Pats for five or six years, and like Bose was only there for two years. Um, obviously the, the, the first year we were com- competing and things, and then things fell apart with the with the money and things halfway through the season, and then kind of the second year was kind of a ride off really. And but Pats, I kind of went into Pats at a, a kind of transitional time as well. But Pats are a really good club, but. Kind of Rovers is Rovers the one. Is the one. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when you went from Rovers to Bowes. I remember there was was there. How, how did you did you get much grief for that? I think that Awful, was yeah. yeah that was yeah. pretty. It was yeah. a motive one. Yeah, um, it does doesn't stick in my mind as much as the other ones. But then I think there was some fuss over how they announced it. It was very delayed, and people knew you were going to Bowes, but yeah. Rovers didn't acknowledge you were gone or something. Or there was no. There was the famous Michael O'Neill quote. He snuck under the, the garden fence. Was the, what what he said. But sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back up. Yeah, um, no. Um, I was playing at Rovers, and then suddenly. Um, 
uh, Tommy came in, the goalkeeping coach came in with Michael O'Neill and the so decided... Tommy, Tommy Wright. Tommy Wright, yeah, yeah. yeah. Decided they were bringing in another goalkeeper. I was like, fine. Um, but then two games later, I was out of the team, like, which obviously didn't sit well with me. For, I was doing well. The team were doing well. We were up there. Um, I kind of didn't take that well and decided I was going to stay and compete. And then I kind of was offered a, a deal on, on less money than, than I was on at the, at the time. And both came in, showed an interest and kind of the end of history there. Or, yeah, so it was just a weird one. But listen, I, I communicated with the club that I wasn't happy. I was looking for a certain deal. I was looking for at least what I was on at the time mm. with, with Rovers. And Bowes had, had shown an interest. I'd known Pat from playing with the 23s from Ireland. Um, they were obviously putting together a, a new team after Brian Murphy and a couple of the players had left. Um, there was seven or eight new lads signing, but it was kind of. I just wanted to be playing. I just, I'd still thought I'd, I'd have a chance of maybe going abroad or, or, or doing something something along those lines, and I wasn't going to do that from the bench at Rovers. What height are you? Five ten. Was this, was that an issue at Rovers? Uh, no. No, it wasn't like no. uh, yeah. It's, it was a talking point when he came along first because I'm, I'm I I nearly want to go back to the start because mm-hmm. it was under Roddy that you <laughs> yeah. came in. I remember you came in just out of nowhere at one stage, yeah. and I think Roddy remember speaking about it like you know I think you surprised him and all of a sudden you were yeah. you were thrown into the team. Yeah, I'd I'd met Roddy when I was like seventeen, just gone seventeen, and I'd met him in the car park and coming up from the twenty ones and he'd basically said to the scout, You're trying to get me sacked, signing him as a goalkeeper, like um, yeah. so it was it was a weird one. But Russell Payne had signed from America, was signing and there was loads of work issues there, visa issues. So I'd played a lot more kind of preseason games and I thought I was gonna play, did well in them and then suddenly he kinda of went on a bad run and I'm sitting in the dressing room in Daily Mount, Rovers home ground at the time and we're playing Waterford and he just said, You're in today, like that was it. Mm. Clean sheet in that game and kind of rolled into the rest of the season. Like it was just just a weird one kinda of along those lines. But yeah, I don't know, it was probably an issue for him. It was never for me and then kind of I've kind of made a point of coming for crosses and things like that so once I kind of got that kind of out of the way I think he thought right well he can do the rest of it once that's not an issue and I've got two big centre halves and Jamie Guinness and uh, Jay Gavin at the time that they'll sweep up the rest like that, that was a mad time to come into football really because yeah. like that Rovers team basically gets relegated eventually even though it was huge talent like Paddy McCourt and then oh, yeah. there was financial issues and you went down to first division and you had the Pat Scully era you know which was like it comes up a lot and has come up a lot on <laughs> yeah. this show um as a as a character building time for a lot yeah. of people like how do you reflect on some of the managers you worked with in your early stages like do you really got some some sort of you know, an anecdote trove of sort of a treasure trove of anecdotes. That was yeah. only your first year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a hell of a start. Yeah, it's just like an unbelievable amount of different characters. Like each so different to the last one. Like Roddy was a kind of wanted to be a friend. We had Magnum Mondays and like you go out to, to Port Marnock Beach. We go, we were training in the, in the uh, AUL and then we go down to Port Marnock Beach and have an ice cream. And if it was raining, to be a bit of bingo. But you know, like Magnum Mondays. Magnum I like that. Mondays, yeah. yeah, but. Listen, Roddy was really good. He was really good for me as well. And he was like, I know he gets a little bit of flack, like, but he was tactically astute as well. Like he's, He doesn't have the amount of games he has in, in his career without having something about him. Um, and then obviously going for Pat Scully was just... He was more magnum PI, I'd say. It was, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Like the lights were just on you. You didn't have the right socks on a Monday. You weren't playing on a Friday. Like that sort of stuff. And Mad dog stick, Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> he'd stick to it as well though. That was the thing. Like, So if like it doesn't matter who you were. If you weren't like kitted out right doing your thing and training you weren't playing and 
I kind of just found that so different to to Roddy. Like I came in and I'd won Young Player of the Year and Player of the Year the year we got relegated. Came back in to meet Pat Scully and he goes, "You might as well throw those trophies in the tro- or in the bin. They mean nothing." Like. Channeling his inner Brian Clough. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about I think Pat Scully doesn't get enough credit though for the stability he brought no. to Rovers and also subsequently was it at Limerick? Like he was, he, he actually his, his record as a manager. I know he's a bit mad, but like very good record as a manager. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um, like some of the football we played that year as well, with the with the pressure Rovers were under comes to come straight back up. Like, and that was along the licensing time as well. There was like you, there was no guarantee you weren't coming back up. You weren't winning the league. Like, and like you look at Dundalk that year, they didn't come up. You know, mm. um, yeah. So there, there was massive pressure there, and like we were the biggest target in the league. Teams were coming to beach in Talca Park. Like, and we just kind of the first game we were one 0 down to to Dundalk and ended up winning two one. Went on a, a really big run that year. Obviously, off off the back of that, but. Like things like that could have could have turned so easily if you don't start well down there. Like you, you look at some of the big teams that are down the first division now and struggling to get back up. It's it was a turning point, and yeah, you know, yeah. you know well. Um, but like it was a turning point in Rovers history, really. Like yeah, absolutely, absolutely, like, yeah. Because the yeah. stadium was on the horizon. Like if you don't come back up and play in Premier Football, do you get that sort of crowd response? Like it's in the first division. It was just a really pressurized season, but like he managed it so well with a really young group as well. Like. Um, yeah, really good players, but yeah, he, he, I thought he was excellent. I, I think one of the things about your career as well, I mentioned it before you come on, that like you went through the whole cycle of boom and bust as well. Like the league, although Rovers actually weren't, you know, were part-time actually, weren't mm, they? Yeah. In, in a lot of those early years, you know, post-promotion. Um, but you had like, you know, mad money into the league, but you probably experienced it at Bowes, where it was the whole TNS thing. It's a, sort of a dirty word for Bowes, but yeah. like, you know, the are sort of fell out of the league around that time yeah. and a lot of players retired early and took their tax money or whatever and obviously you were too young to do that but like <laughs> yeah. th- that was must have been a really volatile time for a player and you were unfortunately at a club that was to the front you know to the core to the to the, to the fore of that sorry yeah like i'd signed for bows on the proviso we're going to be challenging um they signed all these players the lads from Derry, the raffle cataro so higgins mm. <clears throat> these type of players then suddenly comes to the summer and there's rumours things aren't going well here. And then it was almost a week leading up to in between the kind of first leg of the TNS game and the second leg, just the bottom fell out, fell out of it nearly. And the pressure was on. If you don't get through this leg, this club mightn't be here anymore. Like that's kind of the way it was going. And then it just unraveled in, in Wales. Like I think it was just such What a was that night like? It was horrendous. Like it's, it's a weird one as well because we felt stitched up at the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, we went over and we trained on it the night before and it was an astro pitch but it was a long astro pitch then went the next day and it was a totally different surface like it was, it was like it was trimmed they were getting rid of it or something but it was like something was done to it um, we just we went 1-0 down and just totally capitulated like it was just What was Pat Fennel like after that game that must be so tough um, he was heartbroken it was, was the word but it was just kind of Everything was on his shoulders. It was kind of, we needed to get through that round to get to whatever it was, a quarter million at the time to try and keep the club afloat, like, which is what it, the way it felt. And sure, after that, there was like lads struggling to come in. There was, there was talk of not getting paid. There was kind of, we fell, we fell apart for about two or three weeks and then gathered it back together again and made a title run of it, which is like, and we lost it by two goals in the end in the last yeah. day of the season like you know Do you know the, the funny thing is Dan and, and like you know we, we take the piss out of the learnings and all that and all that but like 
it's, it's almost taken for granted now. League of Ireland clubs aren't basket cases financially really anymore. Or it's very rare you hear, like, they're they're going to the wall. And it was, at that time, it was like, what club is next? Well, yeah, like, we have, we've had some basket case stuff in the last couple of years, you know, to be fair. But it's not to that extent. I think that time was... Um, I mean, the country at the time was going through a lot of it and the league was a re- reflection of it. Like, I, I always say, remember the 2012 season, to me that was the low. I mean, and no disrespect to them, but like Drada were like a part-time team, came second and they were like a very part-time team and Rovers had a dreadful year that year. That was Stephen Kenny's year and Bowes were were sort of a rock bottom at that stage. You were Pats at that stage, I think, wasn't it? 2012, yeah, was yeah. it? High to uh, recession as like, well. Like, like, you know, yeah, to, you and know. it's just, the, the league was just in a really really probably bad place you know and and that's why i think just to hear your perspective of someone who was you were probably in the prime of your career in terms of your age at that stage but it was just it was tough because a lot of people as i said like stepped away from it and that's why you know it's changed a little bit now there's a few more lads in their 30s playing now but a couple of years back there was very very few because so many of them had gone at that stage no that's it even after the tns game was kind of put to us listen you're gonna have there's gonna be pay cuts kind of um, along the end of that season and into the next season um, I had a, con- a year left on my contract it's on a two year deal and it kind of put to me well you're not going to get paid That's so it's going to go it was along with Brian Shelley and kind of things that happened yeah. in the quarter kind of, Stephen um, Gray wasn't it yeah, yeah but it's kind of put to me I wouldn't have been on the money they were on but it was kind of put to me listen you're going to have to work in the office here you're going to have to try and make up like what we perceive to be two jobs into one now, basically. What so. was the wage drop actually from, say, the the glory days when the sort of Celtic Tiger days almost? To then and you you do have to remember the country was in a really bad wave. Yeah. A lot of people listening to this probably aren't can't really remember that, but like it was a shock to the <clears> system. What was the wage cut in those few years, like percentage wise, give or take? I'd say it's nearly half, mm. like if not more for some lads. Like some of the lads on at Bows at that time. Would have been on massive wages, like would be on more for clean sheet bonuses and goal bonuses and appearances than some lads are getting paid now for their wow. wages. Yeah, and it was that was the money. They were they were the biggest one of the biggest teams in the country. They were attracting. They were playing in Europe. They were attracting the best players. Like it's like it's probably not. It's probably gone above that now where it was then. I yeah, think, at, at some clubs anyway. I think maybe not the highest earners of Bowes at the time, but I'd say across the board now in in the, the Rovers is the the, the dairies like mm. I'd say most lads would be on more now than they were then but it's it's yeah it's probably around the equivalent like mm. and I, I just kind of thinking about the other managers you work with then like maybe the the second half of your career like who were the who are the big influences that would sort of stand out in your head in terms of people you worked with or not, not necessarily managers and players whatever like who were the yeah. big characters Pat Fennan, I thought was he was he was brilliant. Um, obviously going through that kind of spell with Bose, he kind of was down for a little bit for a couple of weeks, like the, like the whole lot of us. But like um, rallied us all, got us back into a position where I think we beat Rovers with three games to go, four games to go to to pull it back within three, and then kind of they lost to Sporting Fingal. We went to Galway, got beaten by Galway yeah. down there. That the was point, mad. Yeah. Remember that game? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I tore my uh, groin in that game. And Chris O'Connor had been sent off for Bowes in Bray, at Bray at home a couple of weeks beforehand. So I was suspended for the final game. So I had to play the final game, basically, like hobbling around. But it was kind of gone. The, the league had gone by then, Rovers. Mm. Had, 
had beaten uh, draw I think we'd lost to Galway away so it was kind of done by then but yeah he was brilliant that year and even the second year trying to like rejuvenate the club bring young lads through again Pat and then um, obviously I'd Liam then for a couple of years at, at Pat's as well Like, what was he like? just totally different manager like just um, so chilled so laid back like if anyone like raised their voice it was like calm down calm down this is where we're going to play like just, just yeah totally different kind of style but they've all won leagues and it's, it's funny to see that they've they've all won leagues with different styles like mm. I um, spent much of the soccer uh, soccer writers awards and I basically pissed talking shy to old managers about how great they were <laughs> Dulo and Liam Buckley <laughs> yeah. but Liam Buckley was like geez, look at the players you brought in it's like Rovers with it yeah. like like his, his, his eye for a player and all that yeah. and you got to take some credit even though you're not there anymore yeah he just like he liked his flair players he liked his Chris Forrester like Chris couldn't do any wrong like, but then <laughs> Like so, sometimes you feel you need to say things to players, but he just didn't want any of that. There was no conflict at all. But it worked for him. And anyone that kind of did was kind of moved aside and pushed out. Like, but if you bought into it, like we got to the cup final that year. Um, I think it was 2012, 2013. Um, it's 2012, yeah. 2012, yeah. He was too nice though, was he? In the end. Well, I didn't find him nice. He didn't play me in the cup final. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. You got dropped for Clark, was it? Um, yeah, yeah, we yeah. played, I was playing, I played the second half of the season the penalty shootout and draw the um, save three panels in it and then wow. played uh, I think we played all the rest of the league games and then three beforehand me and uh, Cre- uh, Greg Bulger crocked each other in training both out of the cup final I got back about two weeks before and tried to like I, I felt I was back to fitness and Clarkie got back in and he decided to go with Clarkie with all due respect that must be like a killer. The last time, actually, the last time I played for my club. Oh, uh, Johnny, you've told this story before. It's not equivalent in <laughs> any way. I, I was. I, I played every game. Was dropped for the cup final. Never played again. That's probably because I, I, I didn't didn't join Bar- the celebration. Barry just went home. Barry hasn't heard earlier on. It's probably because you didn't take a dive in the semi final at some. I, I was an honest player. But like the, the cup final, the, what it is now, like that must have been sickening. Yeah, because I was played. I played every game. Yeah. And I just assumed that. There like, we go. Like. Yeah. Uh, 10 games 10 games on the run in and then I, it was three I was told I was basically out for the rest of the season it was four games left or whatever it was myself and Greg Boulder missed the final as well but I got myself back to a point where I was like I've only missed two weeks here like it's not a, in the grand scheme of things for a goalkeeper it's not he much. clattered you in train was it two of us clattered each other like and put each with the same injury ankle injuries like oh. um, but there was a, a game to go in the league Cork Clarkie played in that game and then the cup final was I think a week or two weeks later. Look look at the yeah. look at the influence he's had at Goy United now. Um yeah. I think he's been one of the best signings. Yeah. They, what was what were your European highlights actually from your career? Uh, probably Pat going to we got through three rounds, I think. Like in terms of European, like I haven't got that much experience in Europe. Like I've been to Iceland a couple of times at Rovers and, and Pat and things like that, but I've kind of missed the boat mm. on a few of those things. Like, um, Rovers I guess that's won. a regret as well. Like, yeah, it isn't, it isn't. Like, I went to, well, it is when I went to Bowes and the next year we're always made the group stages of Europe, which didn't help. I think that mm. was another time I was turning off the TV, you know, but like, yeah, um, there's, there's no real regrets now looking back. I kind of, last year I might have had a look and, and thought, geez, I have a few things, but going back and, and getting the cup final, I think, kind of. Put that to bed for me. Well, yeah, we were going to, I was going to mention this, obviously. What's the standard like in the League of Ireland goalkeeper-wise at the moment? I, I, I'm not a goal, I'm not a goalkeeper judge, but I'm not convinced, actually. Well, I think the point we have is that a lot of, the, I mean, Manus, Brendan Clark, you know, you can pick them. There's a lot of the older citizens, like even Peter Cherry was still 
around as a number two. It seems that the, the next generation down from your generation, there isn't too many in that age bracket. I don't know what you think. Yeah, yeah. they've gone younger. They've definitely gone younger. And I don't know whether that's uh, so they can sell them on earlier or what kind of way they're doing. But they've, I don't know. I just feel like every club had a big keeper back then. Like you look at the Dan Connors, the Drada, things like that. Every keeper was established had loads of years in the league which I'm sure all these lads will like but you look at like the Brian Maher and things like he's got a great career ahead of him um, Is he the best? Uh, for me yeah I think Alan's still doing the thing at, at Rovers I think he's totally tailored his game to, to suit him and it suits Rovers now but he's he's developed as well like he was kicking the ball and it was coming back to him at some stages like when, when I was there at Rovers now he's playing out from the back like so he's managed to, to totally change his game around and he was always a brilliant shot stopper um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know, it just it feels like it's not quite at the level it was a couple of years ago. And whether these lads now can stay in the league long enough to, to kind of progress to that stage or whether they've been moved on and, and someone else brought in, it's kind of a hard one because you need to go through these bad spells as a keeper and whether they're getting long enough then to come back in and improve themselves again is, is probably a point to it as well. Yeah, no, I think that, that's interesting. Like you have the, the lone ease coming in as well, just being yeah. dropped in and you see it's a bit of a mixed bag, you know, or not Nathan Shepard isn't a lone he he came in, but he's actually he's flourished, but then you've had one or two others that haven't, you know. It's a it's a it's just it seems like there's just a lack of established keepers in their late twenties, early thirties that 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 generation just didn't make the grade for Has Shepard flourished, would you say? I think Shepard has done well. Yeah, but yeah, people very good last year. Speak to people yeah. at Dundalk, they'll I mean if he's injured, they'd be pretty worried. Mm. Yeah, it, it, like it, it is interesting the players coming in. Like Pats were in a situation where they desperately needed to bring in a keeper. Yeah, and like he's actually changed things in the next. But uh, how good was Yaros actually to work with? Because uh, you say pound for pound, he must be one of the best play- goalkeepers ever to play in the League of Ireland. He was unbelievable. Um, I remember like Steve said it to me at the time. He said this lad's going to play. He's like he, he's really good. He's taught really highly of highly of at Liverpool. He's going to come in for a season, and yeah, he's just just everything about him was. It's kind of neat, do you know. Like it's, mm. it's it's weird. Like the you hear all these things, different podcasts, the world class basics. This is what he had. World like, class basics. Yeah, yeah, just he did everything right. Made the right decisions. Um, for such a young lad as well, like, and then was able to pull out the top four saves in the cup final, the great save. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, did you work with Conor Malley as well? I worked with Conor. Yeah. yeah, that that was an interesting one, Dan. It was like one of these Conor days, O'Malley. Conor O'Malley, Con- rather tale Con- of like I thought he was. I really thought he was destined for. Then he was just like, I, I'm done with this. Yeah, well, he's, he was an actuary, so he had that background to fall yeah. on. You know, it wasn't a bad yeah. thing to fall back on. There is that, yeah. Yeah, but no, he was, he was like, I thought he was going to be have a long career in England as well, I think. I don't know whether the love was with it with, with Connor at times. Mm. Like, he kind of, he's a very kind of cerebral person, I think. I don't know whether it was, he totally had the love for it. He kind of just fell into it. Well, I'm actually really good at this, so I'll give this a go. And if not, I'm really good at something else as well, so I can fall back on it. Like It's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, Yaros, and his, like he's 21 now. His career hasn't really kicked on in the way. Like, he's, he's, a, what, he's at Stockport, not necessarily playing. Like, Joseph Anang, who was a Pat, is on the bench for West Ham now, actually. And, you know... It's 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 hard because like, keepers will change so much as yeah. they you know as as they evolve and progress. But I'm just wondering, like you 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 said you're back into the league at the you know you're watching the games this year. Like what have you made generally? What do you make of the league generally at the moment? Like, what's your sense of it's, I don't know the levels and where it's at? Um, there's a buzz around the league that hasn't been there since 2010. I think like yeah, there's just kind of a, an upswell I think and that's largely due to like you can say it's the rerun of things but it's largely due to clubs themselves like you look mm. at like, what Bows have done and kind of the the niche they've kind of carved out for themselves with their sponsorship and the, the kind of uh, things they've done and um, 
their collaborations. I think they found kind of a niche support group now that have come and, and supported them. And but on the back of that, you're gonna, you need to do well as well. Um, like you, you look look generally. I think the way it's going this year, there's such a capricious nature nature to the league at the moment that it's exciting for people. I think Rovers are going to run away with it. Well, they might in the end, but at the moment they won't. Um, they're going to be competitive. And I think like it needs that. It needs that competitiveness. People are getting we're tired of kind of the same old kind of results and. Like I think it's there. Obviously, you you need the stadium updated as well. But with, with you, you could lose out in these fans now when you see stadium sold out, and then suddenly things don't go well, and then yeah. you don't have these people coming back anymore. Like it's I know you, I know you've talked about it a lot. Here. Three quick fire ones, Sophia, Alan Manis or Brian Murphy. Alan Manis, Brian Murphy or Shane Supple. Brian Murphy, Brian Murphy or Barry Murphy. Sorry, Murphy. <laughs> That's all I have then. That, yeah. I like that, Johnny. I like that. We do. We, we need to talk about this again. I like that. It's a bit sad. Uh, well, I mean, I saw that episode. I, 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 I don't know where, Father Ted. I don't know how. We're like, what was the next one going to be like? You know. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't know, know where you're going with this. Yeah. After Magnum PI, <laughs> no, but my, my work is done. There in ten you minutes. Didn't do anything. In ten minutes, you're just like uh, Dan Connor or <laughs> <laughs> Gary Rogers. You know, you're just, just running through like Dan. these goalkeeper matchups with uh, with very much. You get into many games. actually yeah, I've been yeah. to quite a few now. Like it's great with League of Ireland, the, the TV now, watching everything. It is like we were at the. In fairness, Dan was slagging me because I I was watching the, the game of Turner's Cross on my yeah. laptop. But it is so cool to be able to go around the grounds and get goals, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Like. It's not so much that you're you're at the game, Pat's Rovers game, watching the other game. That so you've the commentary turned up to the max. So you're trying to watch the game and then you hear a scream and it's like something that's happened in Turner's Cross. But of course you're just in it because you're a football fan, not because you had a financial investment <laughs> in that game. Yeah. No, no, um, it, was, it was definitely we, the latter. We uh, we have a double header this weekend which we should mention um because as as is the nature of these things like the, the the first round of games gets lost in the second round when we're back particularly when you look at the fixtures in the second round of games but yeah on friday we have uh dundalk sorry we have shelburne against cork city uh, in talca park we've got ucd bows dundalk draw to the loud derby Derry against St. Pat's and then Shamrock Rovers. We don't have Rovers. time to talk about it. I, I, even, that Dundalk Drogheda game all of a sudden is just huge. It's really Yeah, no, like, it is. It is. Um, St. Pat's like Rovers is on Monday then. UCD Dundalk, uh, Bohemians Cork, Derry Shamrock Rovers. Well, there you go. Um, and then you've got Drogheda against Shelburne. It's different kickoff times. Actually, I mean, before we did the first division, but you did get to work with Stevie O'Donnell yeah. as, a, as, a, as a sort of a, a young manager and yeah, I think he's probably under a little bit more scrutiny at Dundalk this year now. I think just things haven't been going terrifically well, but what was your sense of him at, at Pats as a manager? I thought he was really good. Um, I think obviously now three or four games and it's a new manager under pressure this season. It seems to be someone different every couple of weeks. Yeah. But um, he was just like... It was hard to kind of describe him. He's moved from that player role into management so seamlessly that um, I think he was able to kind of get on with the players as well and kind of coach them in that kind of way, that kind of have that man management kind of skill set as well from obviously playing so recently that um, he obviously had the tactical notes as well that, that it kind of the two of them meshed well together. And I just, yeah. yeah, I thought he was really well. I think like he was a lot, was a lot of pressure on him under him on that that kind of season at Pats and obviously getting to the cup final and winning it as well. Was, the, was a the, the games Monday as well are kind of they're stretched from three o'clock to the evening, but like 
the it's a bit it's actually a bit like the if you, if you, if you were so inclined at LOITV you could just watch like three games in a row <laughs> but that game like Dundalk's next two games are drawn at home and UCD away and you're like all of a sudden if they win the two of them which is very very possible it all looks actually grand again that's the nature of the Premier League yeah no there is like you, you you see just the way it is like you've like Bows are in that at the moment as well where their games they're, they're, they're playing maybe what people might expect to be the bottom three whether that's right or wrong or fair so then but clearly then they're going to come into a different difficult run of fixtures again and you have to sort of use these runs for momentum where you can and Pat's used it like Pat's come out at a break um, the international break mm. with UCD and Cork at home and that was the chance to propel their season. I, so, I, did, I did think they were given them. Um, I did think they were given a bit of a rude awakening on Friday in the sense that I was like counting afterwards. How many Pats players actually played well here? Maybe two or three. Yeah. But in the Premier, sorry, the first vision, Dan. I'm not going to lie. Bray at home to Watford. So Watford uh, were four 0 up against that loan um, last week. Gave them a chance. Then they battered treaties. They won a great run. Going United issued. Um, like a, t- a Twitter and Instagram statement on Monday saying only X amount of tickets left for the Cove game. Like, this is mad. We only have X amount have of tickets left. Have you been to a game in Galway this season? This is yes. going to be my first one all uh, game. Well. There we go. If yeah. you're not in. The board doesn't even talk to me anymore. Like, oh, so. It'll listen. be sold out there. You'll miss yeah, out. Yeah. All of these years of commitment and, you know, should have listen, been committed. Like, don't worry. But, uh, was committed. Barry, we've got an AI solution coming. We're just going to rewrite the history here. Barry, I, I, what are you up to nowadays, by the way? Mar- back in marketing. Marketing. Yeah. AI is where it's at. Yeah. Not artificial insemination. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> Pre- Treaty against Kerry, the the the, the Monster Derby, done. Monster Derby, Galway Cove, as you mentioned, you may or may not be there. Um, at Long Wexford, Finn Harps, Longford, and then on Monday, yeah, it's a double header in the first division, which doesn't happen too often, but it's a bank holiday, of course, so there's sensible kickoff times as well. Uh, Waterford, Wexford, Bray Treaty, Longford, Galway, Cove Ramblers, Kerry, and Finn Harps at Lone. It's obviously have this is the, the opening weekend of the season where we're back to those fixtures. Have you the weekend off, actually? I have the weekend off. Are you into craft beer? Absolutely. I mean... There we go. We've got the Happy Days Festival in Rascals. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I have a plus one. Do you, so. want, to, do you want to extend the invite here? Uh, are you, you have a plus one. I do, yeah. 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 We'll be on to you, yeah. <laughs> Who would you actually... Second thought there, wasn't it? <laughs> La- last last he's question. Actually, he's, got, he's got Brian Murphy coming. If you had... If you had... If you... If you... If you... If Rascal Brewery gave you a one plus one for a craft beer exhibition at the weekend, who would you bring for a day on the craft beer? And I, by the way, I would not advise a day on craft beer. A couple of craft beers is a certain example for me anyway. Who would you bring? Um, Anyone from, at all? From your career, yeah. Mix, Pat Scully? <laughs> if you know, if you bring one person, I'd love to see what he's like on a few beers. Like, <laughs> I bring Dave Webster now though, because I've been to. We were over in Italy for pre-season, or Italy, India for pre-season with Rovers. And was it Kingfisher beer? It was called. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolute rocket fuel. Like, so we got one night out over there, but it was the equivalent of ten. I'd say it was unbelievable. Like, but trained in 30 degree heat and it was this one little bar in Calcutta like and it was uh, this kingfisher stuff but rocket fuel I don't know whether that's uh, kind of the same kind of yeah. stuff down there but this stuff is stronger again yeah um, but Dave actually um, we had Dave on our live show brilliant. so yeah, yeah. signed by Ollie Horgan of course a few, a few good stories <laughs> uh, yeah actually before you go we should mention your um your TNS story which uh, did not entail the heartbreak of Pat Finn and all that like, this is a bit mad yeah. This is not an AI story, by the way. No, it was a weird one. We were uh, getting, getting ready for the game and myself and Chris O'Connor are back in the room after dinner, pumping the music nice and loud. And uh, there was a knock on the door and we opened the door and these two big lads are standing at the door. Um, can you turn that music down? American accents. We're like, well, okay, we're getting ready for a match here. Like, um, Right. Um, then the two lads part and Mike Tyson standing in between them. And he's like, 
can turn up music down. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> straight, straight away. That was like, uh, <laughs> what, was, so what was he doing there? Oh, he was at some event in Wales, I think, some boxing event, and he was staying. He was us Westry. He was on the border, kind of, or yeah. in England. He was in, but he was there. And I, I remember seeing him down in the waiting room, like down in the lounge, like, like sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> do you remember? The, do you remember the Simpsons, Dredrick Tatum, where it's like they go to the prison and there's madness, and he's like, hey, hey, everybody, shut up, and it's just silence, bangs, just like that, like parodies, yeah, actually, yeah. real. If, if the lads, I don't know if the lads covering at the time knew that story, the Mike Tyson one, but if they if they if they did and they didn't do something about a knockout, you would have. They didn't do something about a knockout blow for bows. I mean, that's how you do it. You know, enough time has passed. You can you can joke about <laughs> yeah, this now, can't you? Now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I know there are some bows people here at TNS, and I think there's like they just they just turn off instinctively. Yeah. But listen, yeah. we will be back next week to reflect on uh, what will be. A busy weekend of sport, Double. as you would say in Ireland AM, Johnny. A busy Double. weekend of sport. Double header, yeah. Thanks, future ticketing rascals and Collar and Cuff. And uh, thanks to Barry Murphy <laughs> for coming in. <laughs> Cheers, guys.